Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going all right. I mean, I want to be playing Apex right now, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. been working hard recently this last week, and although we haven't not played Apex, we have not been playing enough. So I haven't gotten those long gaming sessions in. No. Uh, and but it's also we were both out of town for the holiday weekend, which was a part of it as well. But yeah, excuses. Even then, you hope for one night to get a little grind time in, and it just yeah hasn't happened yet. But I'm sure it'll happen soon. <laughs> That's right. We got a fun episode today. Today we are covering the latest and greatest news in Apex Legends, and I don't know, maybe the, like the first Apex scandal. That we've had, uh, at least in a while. So it's going to be a fun one. We're going to get to talk about the eSports scene a little bit. Uh, we're going to answer some questions as well at the end of the show. Uh, if you do want your question answered on the podcast, ask it in our Discord channel for questions or leave it in the form of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you'd like, drop us a follow on Twitter at Kirk Rudoche and at HB Burson. Links for those are in the description. Um, shout out to the one person who did follow me on Hive. After the conversation we had, um, the following's growing over there as well. Now I still don't have a profile picture up, but uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, exciting times in the world of social media. Um, uh, friendly reminder that the third party Invitational Five is currently accepting signups. We have the date set for December sixteenth. In order to sign up and get access to the roster, you have to be a Patreon member at any tier. This time, we're changing things up a lot. We're bringing down the competitiveness with no prize pool, and then we are giving you all a big challenge of no recon legends. No path, no seer, no vantage, no valk, no bloodhound, and no crypto. Some of those are catching an L, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be a no survey beacon sort of tournament. So I'm really excited to see how it turns out. And there is plenty of spots, full teams, bring it on, duos, solos, bring your friends, come alone. It doesn't matter. We'll find a place for you. Um, but don't wait too long. You know, sooner the better to secure your spot. Always for sure. It's going to be a pleasure. I think uh, trying the whole no recon thing will be really fun. And, you know, if it's successful, we're already kind of hearing people share ideas for, you know, what legends we'd like to or they'd like to have banned next time around as well so maybe this is something we'll kind of mess around with from tournament to tournament but it's going to be really cool not something you see uh very often in terms of other pro tournaments or even just like casual tournaments i don't even know why i said other pro tournaments were a casual tournament make it clear with that though let's dive into the news Okay, so first piece of news for today, and really the core piece of news. Today we're focusing on what has kind of broken over the last you know, two days at the time of release of this show, but probably needs to be said pretty early still in the news cycle, um, and so there could be more information that kind of comes out about this. There could be fallout that comes out about this that we haven't seen yet, uh, but essentially the news. Um, TSM was accused of data mining, uh, maps to get better zone knowledge and the mine files showcased where zones could not end on specific maps. So a little bit of a timeline on this. Uh, the Twitter user S 
SG dropped, took to Twitter, someone in the pro apex scene, and breaking essentially that broke to the community that data mining is too big of an advantage for teams to have access to it without other teams even realizing this is a thing. That's the quote. After that came out, TSM's coach Raven went on to NRG Suite's dream to essentially discuss this. He admitted to data mining, stating, I don't see how it's a lack of competitive integrity, Raven said. He continued to also say it's not against the rules. NRG comes back and said that data mining is against the EA licensing. Uh, essentially, now the, the, the what's circulating at this point is, should TSM, should Pro Apex teams that have been, you know, doing this to get zone knowledge, should they be banned? Should they be punished in tournaments in the ALGS? Uh, but the CEO himself, Imperial Hal, took to Twitter in response to a tweet from I'm Madness, who said, if TSM gets banned from ALGS, I want at least five of their points from when they fuse old grief dust game six last week. Some nice little casual jokes about maybe when that map knowledge could have come into play. Hal responded saying, they will have to ban Alliance, Furia, Phase, and maybe even Liquid. Good luck. Okay, a lot of stuff. And don't worry, I'm going to keep going, and then Henry's going to come in here, break things down, make it make some sense. But this is not the first time zone endings have been data mined, and it's been something that's been discussed. Uh, a data miner by the name of Shrugtall uh, circulated map endings for storm points in World's Edge back in February of 2022. It essentially showed where zones would never end. Uh, typically blocking out major buildings as well as certain POIs. So it, it's an interesting thing to look at. Actual evidence of teams using data mined zone information for competitive benefit hasn't actually been shown publicly beyond the hearsay of Hal tweeting, Raven coming on you know, Energy Suite's show. And so we, there isn't like very, very public confirmation of it. But I think the interesting point here is more of the conversation of whether this actually is data mining and that being another question entirely. Um, it's, you know, there's a very long Reddit thread. I'm, I'll throw it in the description of this episode if somebody's really interested. But essentially, it breaks down that teams could be using entirely public information for their zone readings in the same way that people grab pick rate data and share that. And in the same way we grabbed, you know, uh, and music or voice lines for our intro and outro music. Uh, and that doing that is possible without actually tampering with game code. And tampering with game code is what equals data mining, which is what EA does not agree with. So there's a lot of confusion essentially around this topic. I mean, I don't think we're going to stand here and try and be the experts on data mining and this entire discussion and the rules of the ALGS and EA's terms of service. So I wanted to kind of look at this at a higher level. Got a lot going on. Is it cheating to access a competitive advantage like zone knowledge when it's possible for everyone to get access to the same information despite the difficulty of if, if that information is easy to get or not? Everyone can. So is it cheating if somebody does it? I think that's kind of the first question that we should maybe talk about. But I'm going to throw the mic to you, share some initial thoughts, and then we can kind of dive into that question, I think. Yeah, I think it's a it's a little bit of an ethical dilemma. Um, you know, it it's hard to see so much of the conversation pointed to the fact that this is data mining and against the terms of service and is harm, harmful to the game's integrity when it isn't really that. It's just kind of observing and analyzing 
open source code that is available. It's also important to mention that developers are very open about which end rings are impossible. I think a lot of veteran players know that rings can't shrink on buildings. You know, there's a lot kind of very much in the open discourse about how rings work. And it's also important to mention that this is not an accusation that TSM is hacking into the game in order to know what the end of ring will be. Mm -hmm. It's just what it will not be based off of map design. Yes. So, kind of to answer the question, is it unfair if a team gets a competitive advantage from heavily researching a game if not everybody knew to get this information it's or knew well you hidden. could maybe mm-hmm. yeah ethical dilemma <laughs> ethical dilemma honestly um you know i think to be the most kind it is an unfair competitive advantage like if we want to say hey we're all coming to play the same game with the same information some people knew something some people didn't yes it was accessible but if you didn't know about it you're really missing out um so you know i think that in that way it's not really in the spirit of fair competition mm-hmm. but it is just so close to other things that would be like this is how you master placing a caustic barrel and you mm-hmm. know to maximize you know the area of effect it's so close to that but the fact that you can't achieve this type of absolute knowledge just by playing the game, I think is yeah. where the line is drawn, where you're like, it might not be cheating, but it definitely smells a little unfair. Yeah. You know? I think that's very well said. I don't think it's it's not cheating. By as far as my understanding, it's not cheating by the rules. And maybe that's not hundred percent accurate. And you know, the person on Reddit that kind of broke all this down, they could be wrong. Like that's totally possible from but from my understanding of what I know about Apex and what I now know about data mining, it doesn't seem like it's cheating. But I think as you're stating, yeah, it is probably not ethically the best thing to do. And I think you look at it from a few perspectives of if you're playing a game to get every advantage you can in the video game, shouldn't you have to do that in the actual game? Maybe, but then you open up a conversation of his aim training cheating, like this stuff that's outside of Apex, you know, the unfair advantage. So it, it is, it's a tough line to drop. I, I get it. And I think the fact that it wasn't super public information that, I mean, Henry and I have been following this game for since the inception of it. This is the first time we've kind of heard about this. Um, that means it's not the most, you know, public information out there. Um, but I think it's quite interesting to follow, and it's it's interesting to try and draw conclusions from. I think what it also brings up is another question of how important is that last zone knowledge? Um, and to further clarify, like Henry said, this is not knowing where the last zone is going to close before the game even starts. This is a zone is kind of got a 50-50 on which direction it's going to pull, and teams that have kind of found this information have a very good idea of which way that zone's going to pull. 
due to what's playable and what's not. That's pretty niche. Like, it's not like TSM opted to not play Beacon Legends for the first two years of their success because they felt like they could data mine the zones and accurately predict them. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. So, most of the game, you're still. It's not even an advantage that's working out. So I think it's also maybe being slightly overblown in the importance of what's going on, but I definitely think it's an interesting thing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. I, I think, let me ask you this last question, and we'll kind of keep this rolling and get to the next thing. The last thing I kind of want to ask is, at the end of the day, we've kind of both come down to the, oh, it's a little shady, like what was done. It's not the... You're not, not a, I'm trying to think of like a, you're not a goody two shoes for doing this is what we should say. Should teams be punished? Like, should we actually see a punishment come down on this? And not like a ban by any means, but I think what we will see for sure is like an announcement of either this is officially against the rules or it's not. And with that, do we see, okay, you know, team X, 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 and X have like negative six points in the next pro event or something to start. Like where where do you stand on that? What's the what should we get as the end result of this, maybe? Um I don't personally think a punishment should be handed out. I think the best resolution to this is to make it public that mm-hmm. these are how rings operate, just so that everybody like has transparency. They could have, you know gone into the code and found it and plotted it onto a map. But I think just making sure everybody's on the same playing field to me is appropriate. Um, I think going back is already so messy. And as a fan of Apex and a fan of the ALGS, I also just think when we're talking about like ring shrinks and RNG in the ALGS, people drop at the same location. You know, it's like mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. is so much randomness already taken out and like teams will study other teams rotations from their guaranteed drop spots. Like they pretty much know how the game is going to be played and what teams are going to be fighting and what legends are going to be playing. It is not normal apex. And so I think even though this definitely smells a little unfair, I don't think that it is so much of an advantage that it led to unfair results, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's supported. Like, TSM is not winning every single tournament. And yeah. I think it comes down to that. Maybe the teams that are winning every tournament do also know this as well. I think one of the most interesting things, and you know, if you're kind of screaming at us, like, how should be banned? Sweets is the best. Like, Sweets is standing up for justice, and NRG is the best. As far as we know, NRG also has an analyst that has shared this ring closing information publicly before. So I'm not exactly sure where like the line is drawn with what teams have done what, and that's not up to us to decide. And at the end of the day, this all isn't really up to us, but I think it was just interesting news for us to kind of talk about. And it opens up, uh, like you kind of said at the top of this, a moral dilemma to kind of go through in esports, which is still new and is still growing and figuring things out. And figuring out the code of a game is not like anything we know in professional sports to compare it to in terms of yeah. when we're drawing up rules. So this is something that will be, I think, discussed and we'll hopefully learn more in the next week or so. 
yeah, that that was all I was going to add was this is not the end. You know, mm-hmm. this is just the beginning of this conversation. So maybe we'll have some more news next week on this topic. Um, so stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, let's go into some other news. Just a few quick pieces. Um, Apex Legends has been crowned the iPhone game of the year in 2022. Uh, awesome. A little round of applause. Great to see Apex having success in multiple forms. I know Apex Legends Mobile is a sore spot for some people, but still always great to see the IP have success. It means longevity for everybody. Um, Next piece of news as well, though, the Play Apex account is pretty heavily teasing Winter Express right now. Just have to give a little shout out when it's officially confirmed. And if we get any notes behind it, don't you worry. We'll have episodes ready to go talking Winter Express. Um, last year, the Winter Express episodes did not perform very well, but that ain't holding us back from doing them because it's like one of the best modes out there. <laughs> it's top tier. There was a time where it was unchallenged as the number one LTM. Now mm-hmm. it's a little bit more competitive, True. but still a, still a fan favorite over here at the third party. 100%. Let's uh, wrap the show up with some questions. We got some five-star questions. We got some Discord questions. We'll try and get through all of them. And we'll start with the five star from Roran5000. Not really a full question, but the question is thoughts on Valkyrie. Dot, dot, dot. Valkyrie, tables open. Where are you at? <laughs> what a wonderful question. Um, <laughs> love Valk. Lover. Day one. Big fan of Valk. I was initially blown away, not by her jetpack, not by her missiles. But by her ultimate, I felt like that was a game-breaking ability. And it took about four seasons, almost a year, for that to fully kind of catch up to the ranked scene and the pro scene and just how powerful it was to rotate with her ultimate, to survive the ring with her ultimate, the third party with her ultimate, so versatile. But Mm -hmm. I think nowadays, we are not incredibly hot on Valk because she's not entirely necessary to rotate on Broken Moon. But with that being said, the versatility of her entire kit is without question a top tier legend. She Mm -hmm. is just so good. And so I think unlocking Valk, mastering Valk is still highly recommended for me. It's one of those ones where it's like, okay, someone was the top dog and now they fall into like third or fourth on the totem pole maybe um oh darn they're still super popular still super useful this just isn't her prime condition for success i love valk i play a ton of valk got the valk heirloom um she's great and i would recommend her 100 percent. if that's a legend you want to work with it's never bad to have that added versatility uh onto your team there's other legends you might get more out of in broken moon but you will still use Valk's abilities and you will get value out of her kit if you run her on your team. Really good question. Next one coming from Pro Apex Gamer, a five-star question. Just wanted you to know that I love listening to this podcast. Just wondering, what do you think is better, the Mastiff or the Peacekeeper this season? <sighs> That's a tough one. Because... <laughs> I'll be I'll I'll shoot straight from the hip on this one. I've always been a PK person. I love the PK of all the shotguns. I haven't crafted the PK yet once this season. And I am the shotgun fan between the two of us. You know, if you've been listening for a while, you know Henry's pretty anti-shotgun. 
This is the least amount I've ever used a shotgun in a season, kind of because I'm not a huge fan of the Mastiff. So if we're talking just about like pure power, I'm still on the PK preference side of things, but the keyword there being preference, and we've kind of talked about this in shotgun episodes, they all play pretty dang differently. They have different sped spreads, different pellet patterns. And I do think it kind of does come down to debate for which ones you like a lot of the times when they are balanced into a pretty close, you know, TTK perspective, which isn't even a great metric for shotguns in the first place either. So it's a tough one. Where are you at though? Spew some shotgun knowledge on people. Yeah, I think the fact that the PK isn't on the ground means it's not here. So Mastiff wins by default. But that being said, I would recommend crafting the Peacekeeper because I believe it's better than the Mastiff right now. But I also believe that the Eva is better than the Mastiff. So although in this head-to-head, I'll say the Mastiff wins by default, I actually put it like second to last, right above the Mozambique. Mm -hmm. So I think it's tough scenes for shotguns right now uh, in this split. We'll see how it changes um, with the replicator going into the second half. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see like when we get the PK back on the ground, just because I think that's the fan favorite shotgun. Will we see that play resume a bit more? Um, Or is it maybe that Broken Moon is not a shotgun friendly map? generally speaking, and we just will see less of it when we when we play Broken Moon all around. Um, next question, another five-star question coming from Ash Dingle. Great podcast, guys. Thanks for keeping me company, doing some chores. My question is, what tips do you have to make the most of Sheila? I am starting to play Rampart a lot more and really enjoy the tactical, but struggling to use the ultimate effectively. For example, I find the range hard to judge, often too close or too far, and when out of placement mode, I quickly get outmaneuvered. Henry, spew some knowledge as the rampart main around these parts. Yeah, it is very hard to master Sheila. Um, You know, one of our ideas for an episode coming up is to kind of rank the difficulty of legends and rampart is up there. Um, I think tips with Sheila are kind of similar to how you might master the devotion, you know, in some ways, at least up close. You definitely want to pre-fire. You know, when going mobile with Sheila, um, I am pretty aggressive with pulling out Sheila in a fight where it's not always that first engagement tool. Um, you know, the the great uses are hitting people behind closed doors that are healing or just blocking it. That's just easy points. Finishing downed players, you know, with free ammo, super fast. Uh, time to kill and damage per second with Sheila. Um, You know, I think even though you can use Sheila mobile while running, sliding, jumping, going crazy, I still recommend placing a wall first and then using it mobile. Not only, you know, to have the extra damage, but just the protection. Mm -hmm. Like using this as a primary weapon, but still kind of encamping yourself uh, Mm -hmm. in an emplacement is really how I recommend to use it. I think the only thing I can add on to that is make sure you shred door people if they're Mm -hmm. camping on the doors with Sheila. It's just an absolute powerhouse of a weapon for that. Um, That's my only little small tip, I think. Yeah, overall, like you said, though, it's hard. 
figuring it out is an important way to get the most out of being a rampart. So keep practicing and you know, I'm sure you'll be able to figure it out. Good question. Next one coming from Perger. Hey guys, I've been hearing a bunch of Apex related questions and figured I might as well switch it up. Vibe check. What was the last song played in your Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon Music, or whatever you guys use? What do you use to start? We got to share that. Spotify all day. Okay. Used to be a big Apple guy. I'm an Apple guy. I'm the Apple junkie. I'm grabbing the phone. Don't you worry. Yeah, I switched over to up. (laughs) Yeah, I have been really into an artist that I found on YouTube Shorts, which is pretty crazy. Okay. I'm normally not that guy, Um, but Connor Price. Oh, yeah, I know Connor Price. Really liking his stuff. But the last song that I have is my favorite song from the Black Panther Wakanda Forever Mm. soundtrack, and that's Alone. So that's the last one. That's pretty much on repeat. I'll okay. be honest. And and you are a repeat guy. You play the Big same time. song until it until it like until runs dead, a yeah. course. Yeah. Um, okay. I will throw in mine, and I will leave with the caveat of I am not as much of a music listener as Henry is. I listen to podcasts twenty four seven. But I've been on the Christmas music grind, so I got some Justin Bieber Christmas music uh, on the recently played. Outside of Christmas, though, my TikTok artist is uh, Nick D. That's who I've been listening to. Much more nice. pop than uh, the hip hop, but uh, I listened to Supernova, according to my Apple Music. That was the most recently played one. Uh, that's non Christmas, at least. So that's the vibe check. And I also shout out to YouTube Music as an app. It is slept on, and I need to spend more time on it. Uh, anything else on this, though? No. Good question. Next question, though, coming from Discord, coming from Hyperion. Any guesses to what the new weapons might be next season, if any? If any is an interesting note as well. Where do you land? I mean, a lot of people would have expected a new weapon this season. Um, I think we were a little bit on that track. Um, I'm hoping. I guess, firstly, I hope there is a new weapon next season. Now, as to what it could be, there was a time where we were really adamant that the energy class needed something else. It needed something that was more consistent, something that was more powerful. It could be an AR, could be a pistol, could be a shotgun, really could be anything other than an LMG. Um, so something in the energy class, I think, is up there. But on a recent episode, we were talking about a, a weapon concept of like some sort of burst pistol. And I love that mm-hmm, idea. Mm-hmm. I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, that'd be cool. I agree. We definitely enjoyed that. I, the energy class, I think, is number one. Like you said, if I was going to choose something outside of that, because I think that is kind of the norm, shaking up the shotgun class in some way would be kind of interesting. And I think there's room because I think if you put one of the shotguns and just kind of rotated it between care package and replicator, And so you could keep the current amount on the ground plus one. I think you have a pretty healthy loot pool on a shotgun perspective. And I think you could do something with uniqueness, at least, uh, to kind of keep things a little more fresh. I think, you know, we've had the Mastiff, PK, Mozam, and Eva since, you know, the beginning of time, it feels like at this point. You know, Mastiff was a new gun back in the day. Or no, it even wasn't. Oh my gosh, I'm missing up. But uh, 
it feels like we haven't mixed up that class in a while, I think is more the, the point I'm trying to make. So that'd be an interesting one for me. That's going to wrap things up for us, though, today. Thank you so much to our producer, The Third Party 10, who supports us over on Patreon. Hit the plus on Apple, drop us a follow on Spotify, and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to The Third Party Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.